Hey everybody, I'm Jody Vance. And I'm George Affleck. And it is time for... I'm not the speaker, you're the speaker. Who's the speaker? I'm not the speaker, you're the speaker. I'm not the speaker. Huh? Unspun. Oh my gosh, when will there be, I mean, uh, can we talk about the speaker in the United States first and then yeah. come to the speaker of the House of Commons and then move our way across the country back here to BC? Holy theater yeah. drama, Batman. Well, we've had our experience with speaker chaos in BC, that's for sure. But but uh, we're rolling back to the original days of Unspun when we first launched, remember the speaker issues? Um, so far, they were so marched out unceremoniously. Can we just, can we just oh, like my... remind people? Oh, it was chaos. Oh, that was the speaker. What was yeah, it? But, November twentieth, twenty nineteen. Yep, it's it's uh, you know, but this is a whole different ballgame, and this is we're talking about the third person in power in America, third in line for presidency. Basically, is now there's no person now. It's it's crazy. So they've recessed till third when? I mean, presidency. it's crazy. It's crazy, and and uh, you know the Democrats voted uh, in supporting the ouster of Kevin McCarthy. Uh, this is we're talking about Kevin McCarthy and the Speaker yeah. of the House. Uh, you know, it's it's just one more like what is the fall of the Roman Empire? I don't know if you're on if you're on <laughs> on uh, TikTok with the fall of the Roman Empire, but it's a big thing uh, on on where people ask their boyfriends or husbands, "Do you ever think about the fall of the Roman Empire?" And all these dudes seem to think about it. But America, in my mind, is is heading in that direction. It's it's the fall of the great empire, right? It's just like yeah. chaos and what's next. And then I gotta say. A, so, so the part of here, part of Kevin McCarthy, remember when he had to have whatever, 17 votes or 15 vote cycles to become speaker and he had to give up everything. Yep. He had to promise all the craziest, fringiest people, um, all kinds of stuff, all kinds of things that he would push yep. through in his powerful mm -hmm. position. And also one of those things was that it only takes one yes. person to put a motion on the floor to get rid of him, which, I mean, it's just ridiculous. So everything's on hold on top of the yeah. fact that they've only put a stop gap over like the funding bill, like to, so the government doesn't shut down in the United States. Like, it's half. just, yeah, 45 a days, month. but this is going to eat up easily a week, if not two weeks of that 45 days. Then we're going to like, click, 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 click. It's just so much stress. I'm so glad I'm not in the United States. And that's not to say that Canada is perfect, but it, <laughs> now we're watching the Republicans feast on themselves, like watching them fight amongst themselves is quite gratifying. The part I really <laughs> find distasteful, though, is the former Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, the Democrat, um, is in California for like the iconic Dianne Feinstein, first mm. woman uh, uh, senator um, or congresswoman uh, ever. She she passed away at the age of 90. And, and so Nancy Pelosi is back at Feinstein's funeral and Kevin McCarthy's like, get out of my office. This is this is like childish high school garbage. And these people are solidifying themselves in the history books as just being the worst of the worst. Like where where is any semblance of working together in the United States? Like, isn't the whole point of the strongest, most powerful democracy that that you're going to actually work together at some point? Well, there so was a divisive. solution. There was a Democrats could have voted against the motion and then they could have kept McCarthy in there. But they chose to lockstep as a party to vote in favor of the motion. George. But, uh, but I'm just saying 
I'm George, saying, you know, are you so, are you for realsies here? Well, I'm, like, I think the Democrats you know the politics here and the spin is that the Democrats are just just like here in B.C. And we'll get to this B.C. The NDP are just looking at the B.C. conservatives, the B.C. United going, thank you very much for the next election win. Democrats are thinking the same thing. They're going the chaos on the right is just good news for the left. And, totally. Uh, but that's the up. spin on unspun. We're talking about the fact that this is an own goal, self-inflicted goddamn wound by the GOP on themselves in Congress. Like it's it, it's ridiculous. It's, it's Matt Gates fighting with Kevin McCarthy. It and Matt Gates does not know how to govern anything. He couldn't govern himself out of the bathroom. Um, anyway, let's move north of the border. I will let's, say that my my experience in politics, uh, you know, in a caucusing situation, and when you have dissent uh, that is ongoing, that you cannot control, uh, is paralyzing and yeah. it is frustrating and it makes you want to leave politics. Hmm. Uh, mm. So uh, we'll get to you know, more about you pretty, and that. It's pretty yeah. common uh, that this happens, and but this control that they have—eight votes—is all it took. Uh, yeah. There's these eight to twelve people in the Congress that are basically paralyzing the American system, economic system. I mean, it's crazy. It is crazy, uh, and the the GOP spin is that it was the Democrats' fault for for voting. Um, oh, of course with which is i mean i think that's hilarious but it is well, you're correct in that it's the democrats it's in the democrats best interest to continue to see the gop in chaos because you know the democrats could have given them 12 votes yeah but it's interesting that steve scalise and and uh, jim jordan are the two that have put themselves forward like two chaos makers in their own right one like scalise is like aisle crosser crazy cra crazy in terms of you never know which way he's going to vote he votes with the wind um and jim jordan oh my goodness like i don't even i don't even know what to say about I, that i guy. don't see any path to no. uh to normality no in, let's in go that, to let's go to building our house of commons because scout come here you're, you're messing with my podcast by being we've got, we've got this around. this station this this advertising brought to you by scout Spot to you by my dog scratching his neck with his collar on. Okay, we're done there. He's going to stop being distracting that way. But <laughs> let's go north of the border back here in Canada, mm -hmm. our House of Commons. I, I actually paused and replayed a few times uh, the footage of Pierre Polyev and Prime Minister Trudeau, each with one arm of Greg uh, Fergus, the incoming Speaker of the House, um, the first ever Black speaker. Um, and, and it was... It, I was kind of stunned. I was taken aback to see almost jocularity between these two men that are so viciously fighting each other publicly. It's it's a nice uh, uh, the word? well yeah well compare it to America uh, yeah. where they have their own you know they're dealing with a speaker situation here we have an, a speaker that's being brought forward where there's uh, a unified uh, commitment to the the process that is the point of the speaker the speaker's job. Right is to provide clarity and process and you know just it's they, they're supposed to be not partisan uh right. you know so the it's, adult in the room to keep the conversation yeah, exactly and so that's unfortunate we've seen it happen here in bc uh certainly uh we're seeing it in america but uh, in this case um it's good to see kind of yeah. a positive um another big First, for the uh, over the weekend in Manitoba, the election of a new premier there, a, a wholesale mm -hmm. political shift, and the first First Nations premier 
to be elected in Canada, not first Indigenous premier, but the first First Nations in Wabkanu. Uh, people might get confused by that, but what do you mean? Well, Métis is yes. considered to be an Indigenous peoples. Um, right. And so obviously Louis Riel was Métis and he and was the founder of Manitoba. Yeah. yeah. And then, of course, the territories. I believe Inuit. So we have, yeah. Yes. Yeah. You would have it. Yes. You know, it's what's interesting. Well, first of all, it's an NDP. And, you know, we're talking about the prairies here where we have federally, uh, they are conservatives are so ingrained in the prairies, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta. This is this, these provinces talk and, and in the Northern part of British Columbia, which we can get to in a bit are yeah. conservative, you know, they're entrenched, they're not, but yet provincially, yeah. Um, certainly over many years, Saskatchewan had NDP, but for Manitoba to have an NDP is, you know, it's a, been a long time. And, yeah. you know, uh, but what I thought was interesting, and it brings us back to BC a little bit, was the campaign was really uh, in, in, in the issue of uh, the relationship between LGBTQ issues, schooling, the whole SOGI thing, and all that stuff. The yeah. conservatives there decided, progressive conservatives, decided that that was something they wanted to, uh, you know, throw their cells on the sword over and, and say that they were, you know, wanted to, you know, the whole, the whole movement, which is mo a movement that seems to be only on the right side, very far right side of the spectrum and political spectrum. They were on that bandwagon and now they're ousted and yeah. it didn't work. And so the moderates that were our left of the BC progressive conservatives are there. And, and those, those ones who were, uh, pushing that seem to have been served uh, with notice by the people of Manitoba that that's not going to fly here. So yeah. I think for the, is a lesson potentially for the B, the BC conservatives who are riding, trying to ride that anti-LGBT. I don't know what it is. I, I don't want to say that because they're going to say, no, it's not that. It's about, you know, it's our school system. Oh, it's about it's parents cool. having control. You know yeah. what? Okay. Let's talk about this because this makes me so angry because I've actually read Soji one, two, three, you and I have kids that are of a certain age where Soji came into uh, our schools um, while our kids were at that tender moment where they weren't really, you know, maybe hadn't had the full birds and the bees chat yet, but they were about to. And so I went to the information session. I had the presentation done to me because I'm one of those parents. I'm like, yeah, I want to know what's going on. And as soon as you sit down in the info session with the information in front of you to actually get your hands on and read, and it's so convenient, those who don't read it can be all like crazy about it because it's not about kids. It's about teachers. It's mm -hmm. giving tools to teachers. If if your kid, if my kid felt he couldn't speak to me about his personal mindset, his sexual orientation, how he's felt as a, as an individual, how he feels as an individual moving forward. If he felt he couldn't talk to me, I would hope he would talk to somebody. And my dad was a school teacher when my dad passed away. I can't even tell you the list, the number of people who came to me and said, I didn't have a safe place at home to or a role model at home, or there was abuse yeah. and addiction at home. And, and school is your next defense. That was one of the biggest concerns that Dr. Henry had about keeping schools open here. Wasn't for the kids that are fine at home, the kids that have a great home, the kids that have the you know, white picket fence in the drive. <laughs> wasn't even about that. It was about right. having a place to get a meal and you can identify the kids who are abused or at risk, at risk mm -hmm. of perhaps killing themselves because they don't see themselves in their home or in their community and people that are like, this is grooming, this is indoctrination. It's like, no, 
It's not. It is a tool for teachers to properly react and respond. Something put together by experts, how to properly react and respond to a child who might come to them saying, I don't fit in anywhere because this. Right. And because it's getting I feel... mixed in with the whole pronoun issue, oh, the whole my gosh. issue of gender identity, the whole issue of you know, uh, the right to choose uh, what's your gender. It's getting mixed. All this stuff's getting mixed together as one issue. And it's not one issue. And no. and I think it's it's an issue that obviously we want freedom of speech and stuff. And it's important to talk yeah. about this stuff. And yeah. but I, I just know that when I was in high school, you're, you're a little younger than me. But man, the homophobia was solid. <laughs> it was bad. And, oh, you know, every, I every gay person in were, the school was yeah. in the closet. Every single Absolutely. one. Of them. And Absolutely. And we knew exactly who everybody was. Yeah, not always some some surprises that came afterwards but yeah 100 percent. no the ones and 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 some of those uh, you know ended tragically i know that after high school some of the guys that were gay they uh they're some sad endings because they were distraught and they didn't we didn't know it and we yeah, were tortured in their own selves bullied yeah. them and it was oh. brutal and that hopefully is what the point of this is you don't want that i don't care if it's not even a gender issue it's about how do we deal with the, the way kids can treat each other, which can be quite cruel. And uh, there needs to be a system in place for that. So using that as a political punching bag, which is seems to be what happened in Manitoba and seems yeah. to be happening in British Columbia with the, the split of the right with the, you know, BC Conservatives and the and the BC United. Uh, and we saw in the legislature this week that that clearly isn't going to fly uh, with the BC United, uh, who were united with the NDP on on this front and and left the Conservatives hanging there, so it's it's an interesting it's going to be an interesting election a year from now, exactly mm. a year from now, to see how this all pans out because we can have I a just split. tuck in on that? Can I yeah. just tuck in on that real quick with John Rustad? Um, you know, having that time in the legislature now to vocalize his party's um, position, it. I think did a well, maybe it solidified the base of people that are on the extreme right that you're talking about that that really believe that, you know, drag queens are are the root of all evil um, mm -hmm. or whatever, um, or Soji and are the ones that, frankly, their their kids would need an outlet to have somebody um, to speak with. But the way that Rustad came at it in the legislature, I felt and I'm not a dyed in the wool, any uh, political party. But I did really like the response and the and the tone of voice that uh, Premier Eby used to push back on that. Like he and sounded like the they both of them Kevin were Falcon clear. did, but I really liked what David yeah. Eby was saying because Falcon's been a little bit less. He was pretty strong this firm. one, but yeah, yeah. But you know, Eby just came out punching for sure. This is yeah, apparent. Eby came out punching for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, like, I hope what you say is true. And I do trust you in this regard because, you, you know, you clearly have more um, experience in, in the internal workings of politics and, and why these wedge issues become what we all talk about at our kitchen tables. I hope that what we're seeing across the country, when parties choose to go hard, hard, negative right on LGBTQ2+, especially when it comes to kids, it doesn't work. I hope it just doesn't work. And the younger the vote or the 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 older the kids become and start to vote and the the older guard who are sort of intolerant to it or I don't really get this pronoun well, it, stuff because the kids get it. The kids get it. They don't care. They don't care. Yeah, but this you is want politics. to be called 
You want to be called a kitty cat. We'll call you kitty cat. Doesn't matter. <laughs> but this is a, when it comes to politics in this next election, election provincially, we're talking yeah. riding by riding here, uh, a split of the right. And and uh, and there are some ridings the NDP have that they that they could lose to the conservatives. Uh, certainly in the Fraser Valley, they have a couple there that that could go conservative um, because of this specific these specific issues. So it's it's not it's not good because over the years the BC Liberals who tried to unite the right and the center have yeah. lost control of that clearly, yeah. um, mainly over this issue, along with some other fiscal challenges and things like that. And, and you know, so it's it's only it's good news for the NDP. They'll probably win a big majority next time, but you will have this more, I think, more divided province by riding that will yeah. just cause more problems. And well, you said that about the not interior as bad as what BC. we're seeing at the Congress in America, but you know, yeah. certainly enough people to cause more hatred to be to be encouraged which is not good no it's going to take community to pull together on that one but it's interesting when you say the further you get out of the major city centers the more um Mm -hmm. i don't even want to just say right you know the more pulled from the actual realities of of the fact-based the, the political headlines land easier, the talking points, the the wedge issues, the I'm going to float this into the community, because it feels that like there's a sort of a, a disengaged, I'm not going to consume news at all anymore because it's fake news. Um, the further you get out from a city center, the more prevalent that mindset seems to be. I look at places like Kelowna. I used to go to Kelowna, you know, that was one of my favorite places on the planet to go. Uh, whether it was in wintertime to head up skiing in the interior or in the summertime to go hang out on the lake. I don't even recognize Kelowna when I'm there now. It is just this sort of mad at everything place. <laughs> I think it's not unusual are. for more more, rem- more remote or more rural, rural or whatever we want to call it, are more quite often to have a more extreme point of view on both sides of the spectrum. Whether it be right. working class, you know, Fair. union focused, uh, or in this case, you know, based on you know this whole gender identity issue, so it right. seems to be. I don't know why it is that way. Is it, you know, maybe because you're not close to each other? One of the things to maybe. stop homophobia is to be around people who, who you realize they're just living their lives. Oh my God, they're just living their lives. They're not yeah. a threat to me, and I think that's the biggest yeah. challenge. Is because if you're not around uh, different kinds of people. You don't have a way to uh, become accustomed to them, and therefore you hate what you don't know. I guess I, I, or it's, fear it's it. Challenging fear it. Fear sure. it. And there, mm-hmm. there are, there are so many people that are so afraid of certain of of just the knowledge and the connection. And I'll never forget it. Um, uh, Connie Smudge said to me, you know, when talking about the drag queen, drag queen mm-hmm. story time, Connie Michael. Um, when when Michael talks about uh, growing up, he says, you know, believe me, my whole life I've been groomed to be straight. My whole life I've been indoctrinated into heterosexuality and it doesn't work. You don't, he's still gay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and that's the people that are like, you're gonna indoctrinate my kids. No, that's not how it works. You don't become gay. You don't become yeah different like and you don't so you don't need to fear it and you also don't need to take part in it if it freaks you out or you don't like it or if it goes against your religion then just don't it's like if you don't like listening to us turn off our podcast no don't no wait <laughs> wait, wait don't what? 
don't wait, wait. Um, let's move to Vancouver City Council, George. I know it's a hard yes. turn here, but let's talk about what you were <laughs> tweeting about this earlier today um, with Councillor Christine Boyle versus Mayor Ken Sim about an in-camera meeting that I guess she then decided she wanted to talk about. Um, yeah, I, well, I was approached by CTV who wanted, they were doing a story because Christine Boyle uh, received a um, uh, code of conduct from the mayor about an issue, something that happened in camera related to the living wage issue. So she had, uh, clearly she, they voted about this in camera, which I find strange because we voted for it when I was there in favor of code, of uh, living wage uh, across the board, including contractors. This council, the ABC council decided that they didn't, the, that they didn't want to have this living wage issue. Um, I'm pretty sure I voted against that actually back in the day. Um, so uh, you voted against the living wage, or you voted I did for because the I didn't like yeah. the fact that it had it also included all contractors, which is a intrusion into the private sector that I didn't think was fair. Right, fair, um, okay. And, and I just wanted to understand the, the what cost you're prohibitive there. to yeah. to businesses to operate. Yeah. Um, and you know, anyway, so she something happened in camera. She voted against it. She went public about this, that she had voted against this. Uh, and she didn't say how other people voted, she says, which is permitted. You're allowed to go out and say, you know, as long as the like stuff this. is, it had been released is that, that they had voted on this. I'm not sure why it happened in camera. There's probably a reason, but usually it's only the legal stuff and decisions on on employment stuff. But the living wage thing is a bit different. Anyways, she got, the mayor decided to go after her for speaking publicly about this and 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 reprimand her through this code of conduct process, which for me, I, I got hit twice by this. Uh, when I was in office by the mayor, uh, both times they, I basically told him to pound sand and, uh, he, he pulled him and did a, a more informal process with me. And I just kind of like, whatever, dude, uh, I can say whatever I want. It's if, you know, uh, if you don't like what I say, suck it. Um, and, uh, which was <laughs> quite often the case, um, by most of vision Vancouver. So, uh, they uh anyways it's i don't want so my point why ctv wanted to talk to me i i i believe i'm like what happened to kumbaya with ken sim like what why is he going after christine boy oh i know why here's my theory it's hey it's two three years i know it's it may seem like a long time from now but it's three years to the next election christine boyle is clearly positioning herself as the i think the next mayoral candidate for the left so he needs to find a way to separate and show her extremism and uh, show that there is a difference between uh, ABC and and her party, one city, um, in order to ensure his election victory or ABC's election victory in the next election. So you eventually have to make those decisions to in politics. You can't be kumbaya all the time. You can start out like that if you want, but it's not going to work for the long term. And I think this is their first shot across the bow. Is that the right analogy is that yep. the right metaphor yep. uh, of like it's go time it's go time elections coming in three years i would but, say that uh, kumbaya you know. does work for some but very rarely because i would use brad west as an example uh, because brad west seems to not really care if he's elected in the next election because he is too busy doing the things um that's his that's his yeah, pr less, right like that's how party, he less party politics there though right right they don't have parties Hundred percent. So I'm just, but I'm just lobbing that out yeah. there for the unspun yeah. part of it. Like I don't disagree with anything that you said, um, and I, I'm absolutely with you on bracing myself for a very long run up to an election three years from now. <laughs> you know, it's like the people of Surrey counting down on Brenda Locke. Like she's still 
throwing bombs into uh, the Surrey Police Board meetings <laughs> and freezing things. And she's, it's unbelievable watching Surrey spend $8 million more a month than they need to. Uh, to not just get things. Do you think they'll fire her? There. The problems will fire because you know if you think about it. I okay, don't so we have a know. we have an election uh, next year provincially, an yeah. election federally probably in two years, an election in provincial or was it in three like years municipal? Then a federal election and then a then the city yeah. elections in three years. Oh my god, we I'm exhausted. Potentially have a, a by election in in uh, Surrey if they if the provinces I can happen is are there is that a possibility that they can fire the entire council in Surrey for this? Yeah. That's that's the possible. thing that's really yeah it is possible. I I don't know. I th I get the feeling from the rumblings that I've heard um and just sort of random rumblings at that and, and it was an interview that I did uh when I was on CKNW with a former RCMP uh in Maple Ridge, Bruce Pitpain, who said, you know, he wouldn't be surprised if the federal government stepped in and said, "We're making the call." you're out pull out of surrey RCMP, the, let out. let the sps yeah. become the police of jurisdiction becoming the poj is the big thing right now that's what the rcmp and sps are fighting over right so the sps can't get a, a, an rcmp officer has to be removed from a position for an sps to come in and fill it and so the rcmp are doing everything they can to stall that process right and of course they're giving up the the lower end jobs and holding the jobs that control everybody which works counter intuitively hmm. to what what um uh the chief of police norm lipinski for surrey police services needs because he needs his people to manage his people and he's and recruiting and all that kind of stuff so um i just what bruce said that kind of like tweaked with me that maybe that's why there's inaction from our provincial government on this beyond saying we've made the decision it's sps moving well, forward well, make it happen well, yeah, on that point then where's the leadership of the rcmp on this why are they not saying Here's our exit strategy. Clearly, uh, the province has made a decision. Uh, the process is in play. It's happening. The people of the because they believe voted. they wouldn't be. They they but now honestly, they, but they that, are. The I know, but they're not made it clear. I know. So some where's the leadership federally? I guess you're you're saying potentially it comes from. The, I find it hard to believe that. I mean, the prime minister might and and the liberals might pressure. That's that's a risky play. But I don't, don't think I don't necessarily do. think it's going to be the prime minister who says it. I think it's going to be the 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 depot like central rcmp right. ottawa policing top 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 of that RCMP food chain then. going you know what yeah. we're done because we need there's no yeah. argument that can be made that the rcmp isn't understaffed across british columbia like there's there is not mm -hmm. enough there are not enough officers across bc to police the way it should be right now that that's one of the things that played into the province's decision to not have the rcmp continue in surrey but to redeploy those officers around the province to shore up some of the shortcomings um you just look at the crime rate around the province it's it, this is not difficult for even somebody a luddite like myself well the rcmp of course don't get deployed provincially they'll get deployed anywhere in canada which you know right. we don't know where they'll but go you can but... apply but you can yes. apply elsewhere in BC. And that's the thing that, that many of I'm hearing that many of the Surrey RCMP are waiting for the plum assignment because they'd like to go to Kelowna. They don't want to <laughs> go to Prince Rupert. They don't want to go to Port Alberni. They want to go to Kelowna, right? They want to be, <laughs> they love living in the city and, and fair enough, man, fair enough. You should, but it's not like, 
let's just keep having, and I don't live in Surrey, so I don't really, it doesn't hit my bottom line other than the fact that the $120 million uh, provincially does hit my bank account. So yeah, yes. there's that. At least it won't be the $600 million that Surrey is going to be spending on this police force. We oh, got to go. No, no. But you know what? No, no. We do. We got uh, three we're, minutes we're, left. We're not going to get censored, are we, for all of this? Or we're not going to get the future. Right. Because we have to, do we have to register our podcast, George? I suppose I'm eventually that's the plan because we're broadcasting. It's, you know, they're putting us under the mandate of CRTC is the plan. Here's a little history lesson in Canada, which I, because I have an intimate information about this because I worked with, well, so I've worked in all the media, but, yeah. you know, I worked with the newspaper association for years, still do a little bit of work for them. Uh, the, and they have a press council, national, they had a regional BC press council for a long time. Now there's a national press council. The intention of a press council is in order to provide uh, oversight of of the, you know, uh, the content that newspapers create so that they wouldn't be policed by the city or by the gov federal government they, or the provincial governments. They wanted, they right. said, no, no, we got this. We'll have our own process of people have disputes. They come to the press council, they complain, we reprimand, we whatever. There's a whole right. process you go through. There's a, there's a committee, there's all this. And then, but of course, ownership, just so everybody knows in Canada, ownership of media traditional media must be Canadian majority owned controlled. That's a very strict rule in Canada. You can't be American owned media and be a Canadian, a Canadian media. You don't, you don't get the same benefits. You don't get to, and so yeah. newspapers, TV, all of, them. of course, digital media is another story altogether. So, uh, and TV and radio, of course, have been overseen uh, not only by the same rules on ownership, but also by the CRTC where they have the Canadian content rules. So which creates an immediate control issue over you know you have to get a license to you know you can open newspaper anywhere you want to order open up a radio station or a tv station it's a even still a huge process and a very valuable thing. it's like the taxi licenses used to be yeah you know there's only yeah. so many we give away uh so what that's not very that's not very private sector is it not, no. so it's very socialistic in its structure so now the federal government wants to do this thing with the digital media it's like 25 years too late that's my point i tweeted that this morning i said guys this is not the issue anymore you know, your AI is the, your issue and you should be focusing on that. We, uh, yeah. you know, Marshall McLuhan said the medium is the message. Uh, it's getting to the point where the message is the medium because the message is going to be robots talking and we don't even know who they are or where they're coming right. from. Who's, who's going to control that? I mean, how do we, how do we control artificial intelligence, not only in everything that happens in our society, but in our content and how it's created and how it's disseminated. This is a bigger issue that governments need to, even Elon Musk is saying, you guys got to deal with this. Not on, on every front on AI because it's going to get out of your out of your ability to manage it, just like the internet did. Uh, that you know, really, for the last twenty five years or 19, I was at CBC in 1994. I did a story about the internet coming, and people were like, "What is this thing called the World Wide Web?" That's nineteen ninety four. So in less than thirty years, we are here. And thirty years ago, there was no world. There was nothing. It was like websites didn't exist really and, and oh, i remember it's incredible i remember because i was doing sports at bc tv and i had to flip through the stats book and then do the math on the game sheets to figure out what the uh yeah you know how many points yeah. a player had i had to I'm do so the old. i had to the do that surgery right <laughs> it's the dewey decimal system yep. guys but yeah. and and now google's talking about limiting uh whether or not you can even google news in canada because of some of the um you know, stop gap roadblocks can't do costs, whatever. It's just, yeah, it feels well, that's that battle. It feels I, find. Canadian. I, get, I know, but that battle is different to me. I, I know this is a controversial one, but I, 
I'm, I'm, you know, I don't want, they shouldn't be stealing content from people who are working hard for it. I, Facebook and Google should, there is copyright laws in this country and every country has copyright laws. If you go to a library and you photocopy something, you're supposed to re register it and put it through a process. And so whoever, whoever that photocopy was, this is a rule in Canada. It's been around forever. Uh, but these internet companies have been getting away with stealing content for a long time. I mean, yeah. CBC, but also promoting the shit longer, out of that but, content you know. too, but also promoting yeah. the shit out yeah. of the content. Making money too. off it. So, yeah. But also, yeah, the, the, publications often would make money on the things that are disseminated as well. Cause that was one of the complaints that if they this, don't. well, they don't. okay. I had an really absolutely, don't. uh, well, uh, a high app at a media outlet literally pulled me aside and bent my ear and said, we need to get loud about this cause it's going to cost us all. And it might actually oh, make yeah. us go under because we count on their distribution of our content oh, well. uh but let's uh, hey i'm it. don't shoot the messenger man i'll tell no, you offline who uh, it was and you might know exactly who they no, are no but i i mean because i've been a part of you know the process in in negotiating this kinds of stuff because of my relationship with the newspaper guys yeah i'll tell uh, you offline because i'm not here to fight about yeah, it i'm but, just telling you no, that no, i had somebody who is a a top level executive with a uh, newspaper company say to me, we're going to lose all our revenue because we're not on these platforms. They're losing so, all the revenue anyways. But no, want to listen to further. Podcasts, so you're like not unspun. listening to me. You're people not okay. want to listen to unspun. They want to listen to unspun. You don't want to listen to me at all. Unspunpodcast.com is where you find us. You can follow this guy on the Twitter at George underscore Affleck. And I am at Jody Vance, Jody with a Y at Jody Vance on Twitter and Instagram and all that kind of stuff. And we went again three minutes heavy. So our um, mission to shorten this podcast in this season, failing miserably. Say, I think we Luckily we are. Did we say lengthen? Yeah, we're, we we're like lengthen. five for five on on fighting and debating and getting all heated. So our, our viewers and listeners will love that. Say goodbye, George. Bye.